All right. God is so good. All the time. Yep, I, I agree. He is he's the best. He is the greatest. He is the most loving. I'm here because he loved me so much that he died for me, saved me from my wickedness and from my sin. I'm here because the Holy Spirit gives me the power to be here. Because if he didn't, like probably all of you who are Christ followers, we couldn't make it without him, right? I no longer live in guilt and shame. I know what that feels like, and I don't feel it anymore because of what Jesus Christ did. I get to be with God now and forever because of his amazing love for me. Therefore, I should know him. I should know him. Not just what he can do for me, not just to make me more comfortable or make me more successful or more money or better looks. Good luck, right? Uh, but, no, I'm kidding. Don't laugh so much at that. Not just for what he can do for me. I should know him because I love him. First John 4, 17-19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know you don't have to be afraid in the day of judgment. You can have boldness in the day of judgment because you stand in Jesus Christ. That's amazing stuff. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I don't live in fear. You know why? Because I'm in love with God. So I don't have to live in fear. All because he first loved us and died for us and rose from the dead. If I love God, knowing him is a no-brainer, right? I should want to know him. I should want to talk to him. I should want to spend time with him. I should want to give to him. I should want to live for him. I should want to be with him. If all these things that I've said are true, it follows logically that we should be giving ourselves to him and knowing him more and more and more and more. Anyone you have a relationship with, anyone who you love, usually you want to show them affection and love, and you want to know them. If you don't want to know them, it's not really an affectionate love. You know, you have some family members that like, you love them, but you know what I'm saying? You guys are like, no, you're the only one. Yeah, I'm the only one with family members who I feel like that about. No. There are people in that situation, but with somebody who you love, you're in love with God, you want to know him. You want to know him well. We need to know God and all that he has revealed to us. We need to know him well. Romans 1, not that long ago, we studied how God has shown us, revealed to us all the things that we need to know about him through nature. In chapter 2, we learned that all the things that we need to know about him are there in Scripture. And we've also learned that he's written the law on our hearts. And those who are Christ followers have the Holy Spirit and can know him that way. We have all these ways to know God, to know Jesus Christ, to know the Holy Spirit. But we've been studying in this series and have found out that many people who believe many of the right things about God don't know him as well as they ought to. They don't know their foundations. We've seen that some people do not properly understand truth. We talked about that in the first week of this foundation series. And in the second week, we talked about how some people do not understand who God is. They don't understand the truth about God. That was the truth about God, part one. This is the truth about God, part two. I'm hoping we'll get through this, this one today, but I, I make you no promises. It's 1037. I think we're going to be okay. 
We'll see. If you don't understand who God is, you don't know him like you should know him. If you love him because he first loved you, if he's done all these things for you, you're going to spend eternity with him. You should know him. You should know him. But if you don't understand who he is, how can you know him? If you don't know the truth, you can't understand him. You can't understand yourself. And you certainly can't understand the gospel. People struggle with like evangelism, like talking to people about the gospel. And one of the reasons I think that's probably true is because they don't fully understand it. They don't really understand what has happened, what that good news is, because they don't fully understand who God is. They don't fully understand who they are. And so they can't fully understand the gospel. We're planning, Lord willing, to read a lot of scripture this morning. So you may want to take notes on your phone or on paper if you're old enough to do that or young enough. I'm, Kaylee does it. She's a kid. Young. She's short. I don't know how young she is. Anyway, there's Bibles in front of you. If you want to use one, it will also be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with us. That's our gift to you. You don't owe us anything. A suggested donation, like 500 bucks, would be fine. No. That's free. That's for you. Like, is it really? I don't know. Take it. It's yours. We're going to look at this study from Ligonier Ministries called The State of Theology. It's a survey that was released recently, and it's, it's to tell us what people in the United States believe about different issues related to God and religion and morality and things like that. The first question today is going to be about the Trinity. That is, God is one God in three persons, okay? It can be a difficult thing to understand, but it's not logically incoherent or really that difficult in practice. I've, I love God. I serve God. I understand God. I, I talk to God. I understand him as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that he's one. And somehow, I don't have an issue with it in practice, but some people have a hard time getting their mind around the concept. And I get that. That's fine. We're not going to get really deep into Trinitarian doctrine today. But understanding that that's true, that God is one God, one true God in three persons, you need to understand that. Um, it's a complicated thing to get into. And by the way, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Some people use that as like a gotcha. It doesn't even say Trinity in the Bible. It doesn't say penal substitutionary atonement in the Bible. But it's there, right? If you read the Bible, it's all there. So Trinity is just a word we use to describe what the Bible talks about front to back about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we just use the, the term Trinity. All right, you may remember the survey is done by reading true or false statements to people and then giving a number of options instead of just true or false, which is what they should have done. They gave strongly agree, somewhat agree, not sure, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. But each one of the questions in this survey has a very clear correct answer and incorrect, basically a true or false. You should either be saying strongly agree or strongly disagree. If you're waffling in the, I sort of, you know, I somewhat agree, it's like you could be somewhat pregnant. You can't. You're pregnant or you're not pregnant, right? You can't be somewhat pregnant. When things are true or false, they're true or false. These statements biblically are definitely clear. So people should have said strongly or strongly disagree. So those are the answers that I'm going to be looking at as we walk through this. The correct answer will always be one of those things, strongly or strongly disagree. And we're going to see how correct biblically we are in this country. Here's the first statement for today that they gave. There is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to get this because this is going to reverberate through the rest of this uh, message, this study today. There is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the only correct answer here is strongly agree. Yeah. 
Okay, strongly agree. There is no other possible correct answer according to the scripture. If you read the scripture, first page to last page, you will not be confused about this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, now I'm going to provide the percentage of people in each group that we're going to look at who got the answer correct. First, we have all people surveyed. Okay, this is just the United States in general, Christians, non-Christians, whatever, whatever you believe. This is the first one. So the survey on that said, come on, hook me up. First survey, survey says, there it is, 54%, 54%, which is interesting, right? Over half of the people in the United States apparently believe that there is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I actually think that's pretty good. If we could start living like over half the people in this country believe that, I would really like it, but we're not there yet. But they do say they believe that, 54%. That's, that's pretty good. Now, the next crowd of people, don't put it up yet, uh, are evangelicals, uh, evangelical Christians. I want to explain to you what that means in the context of the survey. Evangelicals, I'm reading from their thing now, evangelicals were defined by Lifeway Research as people who strongly agreed with the following four statements. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. It is very important for me personally to encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus as their Savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of my sin. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. So, pretty good stuff. That's, that's very solid. They had to strongly agree with all four of those. Not one or two, all four of those. So that's the group called Evangelical Christians. Let's see how Evangelical Christians did on this true or false statement. Survey says 96%. Congratulations, evangelical Christians. You did pretty well. That's good. This is absolutely fundamental to our understanding of God. One God and three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We cannot even understand how God can be love. God is love. How can he be love when he existed before anything else other than that he is three persons in one God? He's, he loves within the Trinity. That's, that, if you don't understand that, you can't even understand how God could be love. He didn't just pick it up. You know, He is love. Okay, those who are evangelical Christians, as they define that term, and also attend church once a week, did even better. This is the last group we'll look at. Survey says 99%. I don't know who that one gray guy is down there. But if he, if he I'm going to assume it's a he. Women are way too smart for this. If he agreed with all those other statements and didn't agree with this one, I'm just like, well, I don't think you're, I don't, yeah. Anyway. Basically everyone, okay? Statistically, within the margins of error, whatever, everyone. Every evangelical Christian, basically, and every evangelical Christian that attends church once a week agrees there is one true God and three persons, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's good because Scripture is clear. Let's read the Bible a little bit. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Okay, Jesus Christ the Father talked about the same there. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Okay, you heard three there, three in one. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. That's, that's the Son of God, okay? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 10.25-30, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe that the works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Okay? We're going to keep going. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He's starting his ministry. He's getting baptized. This is what happened. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Here you have all three of the Trinity together in one space at one time that we see at the baptism of Jesus. Okay, Three in one. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Real clear. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Clear? Okay. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Okay. Trinity stuff should be very clear to you. There's more, but I, you know, we got, we got to keep going here. If you read the scripture, you will see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit clearly throughout. This is fundamental and foundational. We talked about foundational. That's why we're doing this. Because understanding these things is the foundation of our faith. It's what our faith is sitting on. If you've got wobbly foundations, your faith might get shipwrecked. You certainly won't be able to live it out completely because like I said, you won't understand God. You won't understand yourself. You won't understand the gospel. You won't know how to evangelize. You won't be able to build up good works because you don't understand. Okay? And we obviously have an issue. And I'm going to tell you why we have an issue. Okay? Because you're thinking to yourself, probably, or you might be, or maybe not. You may not be thinking at all. You should try thinking. Um, it's good for us. But what you might be thinking is, why are we talking about this one? Everybody already believes this. Obviously, we're doing well here. We are. We're doing great, Christians. We're doing great on this one. But here's the problem. Before we get to the other questions, we need to make sure that we as believers are working on our thinking. Because people answered this question. And then they answered some other questions that make no sense because of the answer they gave to this question. Let, remember this question again. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. There is one true God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's important. We're going to be doing some logic today, some reasoning. If you believe that statement, there are things that flow from that. So the next question that they answered was this. I don't know if it was the next in line, but this is another one they answered. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, okay? Just from the word go, this cannot be true if the other statement is true. Jesus cannot be the first and greatest being created by God if he is God. If Jesus is God, he has all the attributes of God, including that he is eternal and not created, which is a necessary truth, okay? 
What I'm, what I'm teaching you here is that God has given you a strong enough mind to have answered this question correctly without even having to go to the Bible. You could have just seen that you answered that question correctly, and then you could have said, Jesus cannot be created because it is a necessary part of who God is that he's uncreated. Okay, that's, that's important. So the correct answer here is strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. How did the survey people do on this? True or false statement? Let's start with everybody. 24%. 24% said the wrong answer on this one, which is not great, especially since 54% said that Jesus was God, the Son of God, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet they got this one wrong. <sighs> because we don't think well. Let's, evangelicals are going to crush this like last time, right? Because they believe so many of the right things about God. Let's see how evangelicals did. Worse. Worse! Yeah! Can you believe that? They did worse than the world at large. Okay. Maybe those who are getting taught weekly will do better. So this is evangelicals go to church once a week. Let's see it. Come on. Can we do it? No. Not great. Not great. 21%. Still less than the world. We cannot get this kind of stuff wrong. We cannot, first of all, it's a heresy. It's an old heresy too, a really old one. Okay, they talk about, uh, sometimes you'll hear people talk about like the Council of Nicaea or you read it like a down, Dan Brown book and it's like, they did that because they were conspiring in the church to like change the Bible. That's not what it was about. It went on for years because there was a heresy called Arianism that believed that Jesus was created, that believed that Jesus was not truly, fully God. This is old stuff that we've known since the very beginning. It's in the scripture. It's so clear. Listen to the scriptures. John 14, 8 through 10. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. God is one. From the beginning, Jesus is God, eternally God. He and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. One God of three persons for eternity. God is eternal, not created. John 8, 53 through 59. Are you greater than our father Abraham who was dead? This is what they're asking Jesus. And the prophets are dead, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him. Of course, they didn't know him, so they couldn't have known him, right? But I know him, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. I like it when Jesus gets in, in with him, you know what I'm saying? Be a liar like you, player, right? I love Jesus. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. When Jesus says that, he is equating himself as the eternal God. Okay, that's why they picked up rocks, right? Because to them, it's blasphemy to call yourself God. They didn't think he was saying something different. They, they knew what he was saying. 
I and the Father are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, eternal, uncreated. Jesus claimed to be the I am. This is the name that God used with Moses for himself. This is important. Jesus is God. He is not created. Romans 9, 5b, the second part of the verse. Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Eternally. Okay? There it is again. Jesus Christ is eternally. Eternally blessed God. God in three persons. Jesus cannot be God and be created. You have to understand certain things that are just like philosophically, logically necessary for the creator of the universe. One of which is that he can't have a beginning. He cannot be created. It's necessarily true, logically necessary. It must be true that God was not created. And God is one. And we also know that God cannot change. That's another necessary attribute of God. So it couldn't have been that Jesus somehow entered, came into the Trinity at some point. He has to be eternal, and the Scripture says that he is. If, God cre- if the Father created the Son and somehow the Holy Spirit, what you have is polytheism. Multiple gods. Okay, not, That's not good. If you don't know that already, polytheism, bad. Monotheism, good. Okay, That's polytheism. God was not one and then many. Okay? It's impossible, first of all, because he can't change. So he cannot have his essence changed by creating and then adding to himself. <sighs> what about John 3.16, though? Because it says, the only begotten Son of God. I think this is where maybe some people get confused. Let's walk through it. John 3.16-21. through 21, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. That's really good news if you believe in Jesus. Here's some really bad news if you don't. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. And all of us have been there because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. All right. This is not a reference to God creating Jesus. Begetting language is not the same thing. Remember, first of all, that Jesus came and took on flesh. Okay? So he was begotten of God in that instance, right? Some people actually use the term when they make theological statements, eternally begotten of the Father. In other words, that Jesus was always, at, at always. There's never been a time because God's always existed. That's hard to think because we think of things beginning. He never began. But just always at all times, he is begotten of God. Okay? That's how some people talk. I don't know really what to make of that statement because it makes my brain go like that. And so I don't really get, get how to like explain that to you well. Um, I'll let, I'll let C.S. Lewis do a little bit of explaining about begetting. This is what he says. This is out of mere Christianity. When you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. A man begets human babies. A beaver begets little beavers. And a bird begets eggs, which turn into little birds. You know you're going to get a biology lesson, did you? <laughs> but when you make, you make something of a different kind from yourself. A bird makes a nest. A beaver builds a dam. A man makes a wireless set. Well, you guys don't know what that is, probably. He's, he's old. He's dead. He's been dead a long time. Right? We make things that are not us. We can make things like us. Lori makes sculptures. She makes things that look a lot like us, but they're not real. They're not us. 
Okay? They're not us. We can make things that are not us. We can only beget things that are us. So the point of the begetting language is that Jesus is God of one substance with him. It doesn't mean that God had him or created him. Okay, that's important that you understand that. God himself is eternal and uncreated. So he can only beget that which is eternal and uncreated. He can't beget something different than himself, than what he is. Okay? So, in that sense, you can talk about the Son as eternally begotten of the Father. If you want to use that language, that's fine. But the point is, eternally. There has never been a time where Jesus was not God. He did not come into existence. He is not the first and greatest being created by God. That's, that's not true. And I know it's hard because eternity is hard to understand. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says eternity is in our hearts. But I'll tell you what, it's hard to get in your head. Maybe in our hearts, we understand it, we long for it, but it's, it's very difficult to comprehend. And so we struggle with this kind of stuff. But the fact that Jesus is not a created being, that's like Mormonism and stuff that does that. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is God, okay? One of the three persons that are one in the Trinity. All right. Foundational truth. We've known this as Christ's Lord for 2,000 years. It is heresy to, treat, to teach that Jesus is a created being. If Jesus was part of creation... He would not be God, just so you understand. He would not be God. He could not have been the perfect sacrifice for our sins because we needed God for that. We needed God for that. Do not make this mistake because if you make this mistake, you've got big problems in the gospel. All right, next we have some bad thinking on the Holy Spirit. Once again, I want to read the first statement so that we get what they said and why they're wrong. Uh, remember, 99% of evangelicals who attend church once a week strongly agree with this statement. There is one true God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the next statement people were asked about is this. The Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. This time, it's literally in the language of the other one that people said they agreed with. Okay, There is one true God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when you're asked, is the Holy Spirit a person? And you go, no, it's a force. You are literally contradicting what you just agreed with. It doesn't make sense. Once again, logic by itself would take you a long way here. This is why thinking is so important. This is why it's so important for me not to just tell you to memorize this or to understand this day or to just have, be able to repeat things back to you, but how to think. Because if you think well, the truth of the Trinity would lead you to the truth about the Holy Spirit without having to do a bunch of thinking or a bunch of reading or anything. You would understand it. All right, so... All surveyed. What do they say? 19%. Okay? 19% of the U.S. got it correct. Well, okay, that's Christians and non-Christians. Even though 54% agreed that God was three persons, God the Holy Spirit was one of those persons and then said he was a force and not personal. <sighs> yeah. This was a strongly disagree was the right answer, by the way. Evangelicals, how'd they do? 30%. 70% of evangelicals think that the Holy Spirit is the force. All right. 10 church once a week. Survey says 41. Yeah. 59% of evangelicals who are sitting in church getting teaching once a week said that the Holy Spirit was not personal and was a force. 
Let's look at the Bible. Will you please look at it with me? Let's look at it. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. John 14, 25 through 27. These things that I have spoken to you will be in present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it's not because he is with us. Okay? Now, let's not get pronouny. Okay? That's been a whole thing. Uh, because the Holy Spirit's not a man or a woman, okay? He's, he's this Holy Spirit, but he's a person. He's a person. That's why pronouns are used to refer to him, because he's a person, a person. He teaches. He speaks. We know the Holy Spirit speaks. We know he helps. We know he does all these things that people, persons do, not forces, not forces, okay? I don't even know what, what a force is that you could talk about God like it's a force, it's out there. Too much science fiction. Too much Star Wars, people. <laughs> Seriously, like this Eastern mysticism nonsense. Nonsense. It's never made sense. It's illogical, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's literally with you. He is the person of the Trinity who is living in you. He's a person. A person. And people get that wrong. And of course, they already said he was a person because they said one God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. <sighs> Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He has a name. He's a Holy Spirit. He's personal. And that's important because he's the one who's helping you. It's not just some force. Now, there's power in the Holy Spirit. Okay? But if I pick this thing up, which I'm not going to do because I'm old and fat. I don't want to hurt myself. But if I did, the force would be me doing that. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be some force. It would be me. I'm a person, and I can move things. God, the Holy Spirit, is a person. There is no impersonal force in God. He is not impersonal. We have gotten infected with nonsensical thinking that comes from basically a, 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 an Eastern uh, view of, I don't know if you call it God, right? Like, I don't know how much you guys know about that kind of thing because you mostly just see it in your Disney movies or whatever. You just kind of catch it like a cold. But like, they don't believe in God the way that you think about God. But yet it's been, inf we've been infected with it. Okay, not a good thing. Like Buddhists, for instance, if a proper Buddhist is atheistic, nobody, Buddhists don't believe that there's a God. But people are like, oh no, they worship God. No, no, they don't. Like, read a book about it. They don't. Okay, now there are Buddhists who you would ask and they'd be like, oh yeah, I believe in God. And you'd be like, then you're not a Buddhist. That word doesn't mean what you think it means. Okay? <laughs> Eastern religions are off on this. Western paganism is off on this. Okay? The only one who has it right is the scripture. Is us, which is why, as evangelical, meaning you answered those one questions right, Christians, we have to answer questions like this correctly. The Holy Spirit is a person. So important, so important. You cannot be responsible to impersonal forces. Do you see why you might want to move God in the direction of just being like this force? 
the spirit, this thing that you feel good about when you drive through the mountains? Because that thing doesn't care when you do something nasty. Right? You're not responsible to it. It's just, I feel good. There's a, there's a spiritual goodness feeling. That's not, that's not useful. That's not useful. You can't offend an impersonal force, but you can offend the, true, the one true God who is three persons. And you have, and that's why we have Christ. <sighs> you cannot be forever experiencing the glory and relationship with an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. This is fundamental. This is foundational. All right, last one. This is the last one. I think we're going to get done. <sighs> this is going to be fundamental and foundational also. Once again, I'm going to read the first statement so, that you, so we can be on the same page. This is what 99% of evangelical Christians who go to church once a week said that they agreed with. There is one true God, God, in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All right. This next statement is so fundamental that you get it correct. Please, please listen here. This is what it says. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. This is nonsense. I love the gasps. Good for you. This is nonsense. It cannot be justified biblically. It cannot be justified by the historical evidence of Jesus Christ who claimed to be God and rose from the dead proving it. It cannot be justified. It is completely the opposite of the statement people already said they agreed with. Right? One true God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they go, they're asked, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. All right. Cool. Um, let's see what they said. All surveyed, 27% got this right. 73% were wrong. And 54% of them said they believed one true God in three persons. And the son was one of those persons. And they still said this. It shows you how common this belief is. It is so common. It's impossible for it to be true. Yet, 73% of the people in the United States who took this survey got it wrong. All right, evangelicals. They're going to do better, but 50%, half of evangelicals who believed those other things said Jesus was a great teacher, but not God. Oh, evangelical and getting taught once a week. Here we go. 62%. 38% of evangelicals who are sitting in seats or pews or whatever, once a week getting teaching are saying that Jesus is a great teacher, but is not God. All right. I don't need to read you all the verses again because we've read a bunch of them that say that Jesus is God. But even Christ's enemies believe that he claimed to be God. John 10, 30-33, he says, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus clearly claimed to be God. That's why they killed him. Acts 20, 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Who purchased with his own blood? Jesus Christ. God. Same person. Hebrews 1, 8 through 9. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, 
is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the oil of gladness more than your companions. One God, three persons. Jesus is one of those persons. The Son is one of those persons. Colossians 2.9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Revelation 1, 17 through 18, the first part of 18. This is Jesus. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, this is Jesus talking, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He's the first and the last, the alpha, the omega. He's God. He's so clear about this. The Bible could not be more clear about this. People sometimes try to claim. You'll hear this if you talk to agnostics or atheists or people who watch a lot of TikTok. They will say to you, Jesus never claimed to be God. That's what they'll say. Jesus never claimed to be God. Not true. Not true. It's a complete lie. This is why you have to read and think. So that when people say things like that, you go, have you ever read this? this they're trying to kill him for saying he was God. That's what it's about. Jesus Christ said he was God. He claimed to be the I am. He told people to baptize in his name. He accepted worship from people. He cannot be a good teacher and say these things if these things weren't true. Because if you're saying things that aren't true, you're not a good teacher. You're a bad teacher, right? So he can't be this great teacher and not be God because he kept saying he was God. Real problem. And they would not have killed him if he had not been saying these things. All right, let's talk trilemma. C.S. Lewis this is what he says in mere Christianity. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Yes. Good for C.S. Lewis. He's dead. He doesn't care about your claps. All right. Listen. He's right. He's right. You cannot, sit. you cannot have them both. And Jesus purposely did not leave that as one of the options. The options are mistaken, crazy, liar, bad person, something like that, or God. Those are your choices. There's no great moral teacher. Great moral teachers don't lie, and they're not lunatics. And no one, by the way, thought he was a lunatic. You know, maybe all the healing and rising from the dead might have helped with that. If Jesus is not God, we are wasting our time by listening to his sermons and singing praises to him and taking communion. We are wasting our time. Because if Jesus is not God, we're still in our sins. If Jesus was not God, we are still in our sins. Let that sink in. It matters because Jesus had to be the perfect lamb and sacrifice for our sins. God is perfect and holy and pure and was the only one who could pay the price for our sins. 
No one else could have saved us but God himself by his own sacrifice. This is so important. This is so important to understand. Our salvation, our adoption as children of God, our future hope depends on Jesus Christ being God and not just a good teacher. We have only one way to be right with God, and that is through God the Son, Jesus Christ. John 14, 5 through 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way, there is one truth, there is one life, Jesus Christ, God. He is God. You cannot hold the position that Jesus was a good teacher and not God. It is logically inconsistent, and it will keep you from God. It will keep you from God. John 3.18, we read it earlier. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you want to hold a position, it says religious is nice for those who you know, who it works for. Let me, first of all, let me just help you out. It doesn't work for anybody. We're in a sinful, fallen world. It doesn't work in that sense. It's not like we all come here because we have no problems because we, we follow Jesus Christ. This is important for you to know. You got to count the cost to do this. This is not a game, and this is not for the weak. This is for those who are strong in the Lord. This is serious stuff. Works for, they works for you. No, no, it's really hard. It's really hard because we have to constantly stand against the world. And yet it's really easy because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Both are true. But we don't do it because it works for us. We do it because it's true. Because Jesus is God. Do not be that person who says, yeah, it's good for you. Or Jesus is good, a good person. Either reject him completely, go live your life and go to hell. Or come to him. And fall at the foot of the cross and be saved. But don't give me nonsense where you think you can hold both sides. Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. He's not your homeboy unless you're in him. In which case, he is your savior and your God and your king. And your brother and your friend. It's amazing. But no nonsense about Jesus is good. I have positive feelings towards Jesus, but I don't follow him. Because if you don't have positive feelings towards him, then you have rejected him. He who has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God is what? Condemned already. Condemned. Understand the weight of that. Like I said, it's not a game. You are an eternal person. One way or the other, you can't get out of that. You can either be with him eternally, serving and worshiping him, praising him, being in relationship with him, with other people, fully becoming yourself, using all your gifts, getting a white stone with a name that only you and God know. All the amazing things. You can have that. Or you can be separated from him forever in hell and torment and not know your name and just be in pain because you've rejected him and there's nowhere else for you to go but the place he created for Satan and his demons because he didn't create us for hell. He created us to be with him. So if you reject him, he has nowhere else to put you. I don't want you there. Oh, you shouldn't talk about hell. It's going to offend somebody. Yeah, okay. It's just true, Okay. I'm not trying to offend you. I love you. I don't want you to walk down that path. It's not about you know, hellfire and brimstone in the sense of trying to scare you into some emotional thing. But you should be a little emotional about it. If you're not following Christ, you're under condemnation. And Jesus was very clear about that. This idea, I, I, I saw somebody sent me a, a, a TikTok from this reverend that's online. Um, 
And he talked about how if Jesus was coming back, he'd be telling everybody that Jesus is going to come. He's going to embrace everybody. He doesn't care what you believe. He doesn't care about all this. He's just going to love you and embrace you. I'm like, you are just sending people straight to hell, bro. It's not true. You can watch the last couple of weeks of these and understand that actually what you believe is the only thing that's important. You know why? Because your works can't save you. Only calling on the name of the Lord and believing in him will save you. The works are a result of the fact that you've been saved. They're not the thing that save you. So saying it does not matter what you believe is exactly the opposite of what the scripture says and what is true. <sighs> believe in Jesus. Believe in God. Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is only through Jesus that you will have everlasting life, period. And that life can start today, Romans 10, 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Believe and confess the Lord Jesus. You can be saved today. You can be in him. You can go from death to life. You can have it all. You can have it all. All the difficulty, all the persecution, all the joy and the peace and the love and the glory and eternal life. Jesus has done that for you because he died for you on the cross because he is God. The Holy Spirit will be with you if you believe in the Lord Jesus and believe that God raised him from the dead and ask him to be your Lord. You'll have the Holy Spirit too. Your Father in heaven, the Son of God saving you, the Holy Spirit empowering you. One God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. If you don't understand that, you don't understand God. And if you truly love him, you should want to understand him. If we take this survey, guys, we can't be, we can't be like these people. I, I mean, they were worse than the world on the one question. I'm like, what are we teaching? What are we doing? And here's the thing. I get, I get this. Life is hard. And because life is hard, I think sometimes we want um, practical teaching. Help me with my snot-nosed kid. I need to know how to be a better parent. True. Most of you do. I've seen your kids. <laughs> I needed to learn to, okay? I was by no means a perfect parent. I get it, okay? But here's the thing. If you understand the things that are true, if your foundations are strong, you'll be able to figure these things out without having to have a lot of self-help from the pulpit. I don't have a problem with practical stuff. Don't get me wrong. But my goodness, if we're, if we're always putting out the fires of the practical needs and not teaching this stuff so that we have evangelical Christians who are in church once a week who can't answer these questions, we got a problem. we got to teach the truth. You need to believe right. The whole progressive Christian movement is sort of based on the idea that it doesn't really matter what you believe. It matters what you do, which, by the way, is just another form of works-based salvationism. It does matter what you believe, and it does matter what you understand. And if you want to know God, you got to know this. You can be saved because of what God, one God in three persons, has done for us. Many of you are. I am. I love it. We can have peace with God because God himself provided for our peace. Do not believe nonsense about God. Know God and know the truth. Let's pray.